I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. Well, Gary, it's been a uh, little bit of a rough week for, no, yeah, yeah, you're right, for Cuomo. It's, it has been. It's up to eight now. And I said after six, here we go. But anyhow, but no, not for Cuomo. We may come back to that a little later on. But for Joe Biden, I don't know. I, I hope I don't sound like I'm picking on him, but I'm just going to just state things as they had occurred last week, and people can just take it for what it's worth. You know, I was looking at his press conference, not press conference. Oh, that's right. He hasn't done a press conference yet. He is going longer than just about any president since Calvin Coolidge, they used to call him Silent Cal, without having a news conference. We have to wait now until the 25th of March, which is, you know, coming up, for him to have his first news conference, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it's very sad that that's been, that, that is the case. But no, I don't want to talk about that per se. I wanted to talk about the fact that when he had a chance to um, talk without using the teleprompter, he actually called Miss Harris President Harris. And this wouldn't be much if two things. One, if he hadn't done it before, he has. It wouldn't be much if someone said to him or whispered to him or he caught it and said, I meant Vice President Harris. No, no one caught it. No one said anything. And he just continued on as though he didn't make a mistake. And maybe in his mind, he didn't make a mistake. But it definitely um, resonated with a number of folks uh, in, on the far right, I should say. And, you know, basically on the left, they just kind of ignored it. But you hate to see that. You hate to see that those types of, of, of slips. You can call it Freudian slips or whatever. And then, oh, I said slips. I shouldn't have said that. He slipped. He slipped three times walking up the stairs of Air Force One. And it, it was... Um, it was bad. It, it, it just didn't look good. I, I hope that he's in good health, overall health. I hope they're not hiding anything about his overall health uh, condition. I, I, I pray that he's in good health. But it did look bad. The first slip was like, oh, and then he got tried to get up again, and he went, went down again, and then he went, and then he went down again, and then he turned. It, it was just not good. And, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when, when Gerald Ford slipped once while well, coming, I think he was coming down the stairs of where Air Force One. And I'm telling you, it was on every single news station for weeks. I mean, they just talked about that, talked about that, talked about that. Every comedian had a, had a, a little sketch on, on the president falling down. Chevy Chase made his living off of that on Saturday Night Live. It was just, they went on and on about it. And, and it was, you know, as a Republican, I felt a little bit, you know, I felt badly for it for Gerald Ford, just as a human being. That you know you 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 can't slip, and I feel the same way about President Biden. You can't slip. So hopefully he is not in ill health, and that that would be a slip that we will not ever have to see again. And hopefully he will hate to use the word rebound from that slip and 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 just move forward. You know, once again, most of his remarks have been via the use of a teleprompter. It's it's really kind of sad that to, to see how from the perspective of what we're used to in the president. And I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about Barack Obama. I'm talking about George H.W. Bush. I'm talking about George W. Bush. I'm talking about Bill Clinton. It, it is just so far removed from what we're used to seeing in the president as far as any any outward performance for not just the country to see, but for the for the world to see. And, you know, it's 
it's what you should expect. He's 78 years old, okay? He's 78 years old. Can't change that. So all we can do is uh, is pray for our president, and hopefully, um, once again, we will not have to witness an incident like that, like those two incidents again, hopefully. Yeah, so, Dad, I completely agree with you. Mistakes happen, but I just don't like the fact that the the media is trying to cover it up. At least one station said that, you know, that he fell because of the wind. Yeah. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with that. It would have been a lot better if they would just said, you know, if you would have made a joke saying, hey, you know, I had a clumsy mistake or whatever, something of that nature. But saying it was the wind, it's just a little ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree, Gary. I mean, the, the logical explanation, we know that prior to being sworn in as president, he hurt his leg playing with his dog. And, and I think it was the same leg. I think it was his left leg that he had a hard time reaching the step for three times. So, you know, that would have been a logical explanation. You know, he's still recovering from the injury that he had back in January, February, when, I'm sorry, back in December when that, when that occurred. Everyone would have, would have understood that. But to blame it on the wind, and I agree with you, Gary. That's like, I mean, unless you got a hurricane or, or a tornado in the, in the neighborhood. I mean, that's kind of hard to, hard to swallow. I don't know why people who call themselves helping the president think we're all stupid. You know, and I don't know why they do that or just naive or whatever. Uh, just be honest. Just tell us you know, what happened. We understand. And no one would want our president to be ill. And we, we want him to uh, to be in great health. And we were, we're behind him. Yeah, so that's not the case. It's, it's so just be honest with us and move on. So it, it's kind of unfortunate. But once again, hopefully we'll never see it again. We won't see that happen again. And we'll be able to look at that in our rearview mirror. And it'll be something we can chuckle about five years from now or something of that nature. And he will be able to chuckle about it himself. Now, speaking about items that should be corrected, because to me, they have gone far too long with trying to keep blaming anything that has happened that's bad over the last few weeks on Donald Trump and anything that's happened good, crediting only Biden for doing so. This past Sunday on Face the Nation, it was hilarious because they had the expert on who was in charge of Operation Warp Speed for President Trump. And the commentator, who happens to be from Connecticut, asked, you know, she was trying to help Joe Biden and said, well, you know, now that President Biden's in, isn't it a lot better than what it was before? You know, you guys really didn't have your act together back there in the Trump. And the guy said, ho, 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 hold on, hold on. 90% of what Mr. Biden has talked about doing we already had in place 90% of it. He is following the plan that we had laid out and left him. Oh, she was so upset. She got, well, well, you know, how about the Mark thing? When Mark coming in and doing the, we had already talked to Merck. Merck was prepared to do the production. That wasn't new either. She was just so flabbergasted by those remarks. She had to change the subject because Joe Biden gave us the impression that when he walked into the, to the White House, the cupboards were bare. Nothing was there and they didn't know what to do, no plans. It was like starting from absolute scratch. And when you have a guy who's not a politician, he said that maybe twice during his interview. I am not a politician. I'm just telling you what it is. You know, I'm telling you exactly what, what took place. 
And when he just landed out that 90% of what Joe Biden is doing, it was already laid out for him, and he's just following the plan. 90%. So it's, I don't know why people try to think that the general public is just stupid. If you just say something long enough and loud enough that we're going to believe it. We all know what we heard in those press conferences during the last several months. We all heard it. We, we, it wasn't, you know, you're not all of a sudden, guess what? I got an idea. We're going to have the drugstores, the pharmacies start to distribute the vaccine. I heard that several months ago. Everybody heard that several months ago, Mr. Biden. You're making it sound as though you, I got this new idea, you know? We're going to have the pharmacies get involved. Hey, how about that? No, it's not right. It's just sad that, that you're resorting to such tactics. And then on the other side of the coin, you got a crisis at the border, okay? I mean, it's a crisis. When I was a little boy, the first time I heard the word crisis, Gary, in, the, in terms of a, of a government, it was the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was, I was a little boy, I don't know what grade I was in, and we talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis, when the Cubans had missiles that were built by the Soviet Union pointed at the United States, or assembling those missiles to, point, to be pointed at the United States for our destruction. And that was a crisis. Well... I'm not saying that this is a nuclear war type situation that we're looking at, but the term crisis, when you have the Federal Emergency Management Agency involved, kind of fits. It's an emergency. 15,000, 15,000 miners, and I think that some of them are accompanied by adults, some are not, I'm not sure, but the pure numbers of each category. But the bottom line of it is, it's the size of a small city in, in America, okay? It's, just, it's, it's bigger than a lot of towns in Connecticut. That many people, just in a very short period of time, have invaded our country. Now, just think about this for one minute, just for one minute. If those individuals had Soviet uniforms on and were doing this, or, or, just pause for a second. And let's say that all of these 15,000 people were coming across the border and they were dressed in military operations. Would that make a difference, folks? Would that make a difference? Well, yes, it would. We wouldn't allow it. We would stop them. We would say, hey, what are you doing? You're coming over here, our country, with your rifles, with your uniforms, with your flag, and you're coming right in and we're, we're going to stop you. No, but no, 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 we're not now. Because guess what? They're farm workers. Farm workers don't get stopped. You have you have immigrants coming up. They're, they're farm workers. They're fine. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Open borders. We all know about the Trojan horse analogy. Didn't work out too well. Okay. If you don't know about it, just Google George Trojan horse. I'm not saying that we're looking at that same situation, but I am saying that, and because this is this TV show is getting ready to come back south of the border <laughs> one of the elements of south of the border was people acting like human mules gary which they would put drugs in their body i mean literally in their body and then they would take the drugs out of their body when they got to the united states i am not saying these individuals these fifteen thousand individuals are doing that but the fact in fact i'm saying they're not god willing they're not doing that it's not healthy but god willing they're not doing that but the bottom line of it is a lot of our drugs as we all know are coming from Mexico. Where are they ended up? They're ending up in Chicago. They're ending up in LA. They're ending up in New York City. They're ending up in the arms and noses of people and killing them. Yes, killing them. Whether they kill them on overdoses, from an overdose perspective, or in gang warfares that people are trying to protect their turf. They're an economy for, for people who are poor or undereducated. 
And where are they coming from? Where are most of the drugs? It's been stated, it's been proven that a lot of it's coming from Mexico. I mean, we got um, El Chapo sitting in prison now for life and we just arrested his wife. One of the biggest drug cartels. He was a billionaire in the drug industry. And he did a movie on, he wanted to do a movie on his whole life. And there's been, you know, obviously Netflix movies on his, on his life that just shows that all they wanted to do was infiltrate the United States with drugs. And they did it with human people, with people, with individuals in many instances. This is absolutely ludicrous about what's being allowed. And what the Biden administration did when they changed the policy, they halted the, the Title 42, which said, to prevent minors from coming into the United States, especially during this COVID period. Especially during this COVID period. What are we hearing now? Different strands of COVID. You have the South African COVID. So you have this strand of COVID. And we're allowing these minors just to come across the border. But once again, if they had a uniform on that looks like a Chinese uniform, we would stop them. They would not be able to come over our border. If they had a uniform on that was a Russian uniform, they had an M16 in their hands, we would stop them. They would not be able to come over our border. But because of farm workers, it's all right. And because we have a new president, it's all right. It's humanitarian. Well, it just doesn't work, folks. Just doesn't work. It is very sad that we're looking to, looking at this experience today. And then not to admit that 15,000 people coming across our borders like this is not a crisis. What, 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 what do you want to call it? Walk in the park? It's bad. They ended the provision in which people who wanted asylum would have to remain in Mexico. Okay, I got an idea. Why don't you do this? Why don't you say to Mexico, let's carve out part of your country and all the people who would like to come to the United States, let's fool them. Let's carve out a part of Mexico. Have all the people who want to come into the United States on their so-called asylum go to that part of Mexico and put a flag up and call it United States. Give it to us. Let's take a part of your land, give it to us, we'll call it United States. They just have to stay within those borders. And everyone would be happy, okay? Because the bottom line is not an asylum. People are not seeking asylum if they're coming from Nicaragua or some other country in Central America and stopping in your country, Mexico, and, and, and all of a sudden things are terrible in Mexico. That's why they have to come to the United States. That's not the case. Now, I'm old enough to remember when a guy by the name of Castro laughed at the United States. He was laughing his butt off. He couldn't believe we were so stupid. He could not believe that we would be so stupid. But this is what the United States did. We allowed Castro to put, to empty out his mental hospitals. All of them, all the people who were in his mental hospital, he put them on a boat. We allowed Castro to take all of his hardened criminals just the worst of the worst. Out of his prison, put him on the boat. And guess what Castro did? He said to Jimmy Carter, I'm going to send them to you. And Jimmy Carter said, yeah, come on in, come on in. And they did. And he laughed his butt off. He said, how stupid can they be? How stupid can the United States be? They're taking our mentally ill people, they're taking our worst criminals, and they're welcoming them in the United States. <laughs> You're taking away my headaches, my problems, my group of people that I have to spend all these resources on to keep to help them. You're taking them off our hands, United States. Yeah, you are really great, United States. And that's what we did. Jimmy Carter didn't win his election when he ran again. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why he didn't win. But, you know, history, you know, it's right there. We can see what's happened in the past when we were made fools of in the past. And why do we want to repeat those kind of things? Why do you want to be suckers and allow kids to be able to trick you into doing things? I mean, that, that is such an old ploy, but it is just so bad. You can look at any 
great B movie and you'll see a kid going up to someone and, and trying to trick them to do something while adults behind them. Yeah, I've seen those movies. You've seen those movies. Why are we falling for that? Why don't we just say to ourselves, we have a border. And whether the people are coming with M16 rifles with a Chinese uniform on or coming with M16 rifles with a Russian uniform on, they cannot just walk across the border and say, and use some excuse, I am suffering because I don't like where I came from. And it'd be just cause to get into the United States. Now, under the former administration, they had to remain in Mexico until their case could be heard. Because I'm sure some of the 15,000 people may have, you know, they, they, they may have a case. But the bottom line of it is they should not be coming to the United States and then get stopped and then get released so they can go anywhere else. Or even worse, they should not be putting, put on planes and buses and, and, and transported to Dallas and transported all around the United States when they're illegally. Take care of your own people, United States. We Believe me, we have enough individuals that would love to have assistance, okay? I love to have assistance. And if you have a problem with farm workers, guess what? There are a hell of a lot of people sitting in prison right now who could do a lot of the farm work under the proper supervision, okay? You got a ton of people who could do that kind of work. You say, oh, well, that's slavery. That's slavery. When you're in jail for a crime, you, you lose certain rights. And the bottom line of it is you can pay them too. You can, you can pay them. No one said that they have to work on the, on, on the fields for, for nothing. There could be a nominal amount of money that could be paid that could put, be put into, into, their, into their bank account upon their release. A lot of things can be done to be creative, to be able to help, help Americans, especially those who, who need a second chance versus allowing individuals to come into this country illegally and reap the benefits of being here legally. As I said many times before, it's like breaking into a movie theater and you handing them popcorn and a nice, large Coca-Cola. It doesn't work like that. It should not work like that. We can't be suckers like that, United States. We can't. So, Dad, I heard that Congress is thinking about bringing back earmarks. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, Gary, I think that is a very big step in the right direction. I am thrilled that they're looking to do that. Many years ago, they abolished the use of earmarks, largely because of a few bad apples. A few bad apples who were congressmen who took advantage of a system that did need to be tightened up a bit. And well, they were making a ton of money. And many of these individuals are sitting in jail today. So we found where the problem was in the past. And now we can deal with looking at all of the virtues of earmarks. Because keep in mind, for about 200 years, earmarks were in existence. And they worked extremely well. It was just a few bad apples that turned it into a criminal type activity. We know how to deal with that now. But now we're looking at returning the earmarks. Why is it so important, Gary? Because it allows for congressmen to do their job and congresswomen and senators to do their job, which is to bring home benefits to their state, to their district. That's their job, to look after their constituents, to look and find what's needed in their area and try to get federal assistance where necessary and where, where possible to fill that void. I did that repeatedly in Congress. Waterbury wouldn't have them all today had I not secured the funding, the federal funding, to tear down an old manufacturing site where I worked and where your grandfather worked, Gary, the Scoville's manufacturing site. We tore it down and now you have one of the largest malls in New England 
at least when it was built, back in the late 1990s because we got earmarked funds to tear down that site. Now, if you didn't have earmarks, what would happen is the White House decides where the monies would go for defense spending or for various type of uh, special projects. That's not the right way to do it. The best way to do it is for the 435 members of the House of Representatives and 100 senators to find out what their towns, find out what their districts, find out what their states would really need, and then have those congressmen lobby their fellow congressmen and senators to get it. And that, yes, it would mean horse trading because sometimes you have to support other members who have particular projects that are good for their districts. And if they help you, well, you know, you want to help them too. And what does that do? It creates dialogue between Republicans and Democrats and Republicans and Democrats can work together and get rid of all this animosity and say, hey, this is good for my district. Your project's good for your district. Let's pass both of them. And that is what we're looking to have happen in Congress again, Gary, where we have comedy again, where people work together for the common good. And then you have, you'll have bills that were passed in a bipartisan manner. Back in the day, Gary, the, the Appropriations Committee, which is now chaired by a Connecticut person and a friend, you would have those bills coming out of committee with tremendous bipartisan support. Democrats, Republicans holding hands together to pass solid legislation. That's what we need to see again today. Now, unfortunately, Gary, you have Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other side, they don't want to talk to each other, they don't want to work with each other. Well, earmarks will force them to do so. And thus, we have an ideal apparatus that's coming up, an ideal vehicle to come up, excuse the pun, and that is the transportation bill, the infrastructure bill that's coming up. Everybody needs roads. Everybody needs bridges. Everybody needs those bridges and roads repaired. So this would be an ideal piece of legislation to kick off a new era of earmarks. And keep in mind, earmarks were good for 200 years. They were bad for a few years. Fine, we're going to return earmarks to Congress, the House and the Senate, to actually do their job and find out what their districts need and fill those voids, fill those holes that, excuse the pun again, that would need to be filled in their respective congressional districts and states. And also because they're not even passing legislation in a regular order type manner, they're not doing any work. And then they're saying, okay, let's put all the bills into one bill, an omnibus bill to continue the funding of the government, which is basically... Whatever they did in the past, they do again in the future, which is not the way to govern our country. So yes, Gary, that it will definitely play a role in making our system work better to have fewer government shutdowns because both parties would be engaged in passing legislation that both parties would see as being to the benefit of their district, state, and the country. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. 
Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. So all that stuff sounds good, you know, when it comes to earmarks. But what was the biggest problem with earmarks? Well, see, earmarks, when it would go to help your city, your district, your state, it's great. However, when it serves to benefit a company or a corporation, then you may have a little problems, Gary, because what was happening was some of the major defense contractors were seeking to have a new fighter plane. Now, there are probably three companies in America that can make these fighter planes. So if there's a line item or earmark saying that we need to have a new fighter plane, then only maybe one or two or three companies are gonna be able to compete for that. So in essence, you are giving that company a tremendous windfall where it's a 50-50 chance they're gonna get it. And keep in mind what they usually do, unfortunately, Gary, even if you lose, they share it with the other team. They share it with the guys who lost so that none of them lose. So that person, that congressman or senator that would get that little earmark in there, in the case of those who were doing things in an illegal manner, they would get kickbacks for being able to get that earmark in there for more fighter planes. Those three companies that would benefit from having an earmark for fighter planes gave the members of Congress large sums of money for their ability to get that earmark in there. So now that can happen because one of the big changes would be there'll be a name on that earmark. Congressman John Doe's name would be on that earmark and they'll be able to trace whether or not John Doe would benefit financially, he and, her, and, and or his family from that earmark. And plus that earmark would, would have to go through a great deal of scrutiny we have to go through a great deal of scrutiny because all members will know that John Doe is responsible for that airmark. Why is John Doe so interested in that airmark? And so now it has to pass the muster of being tested and being reviewed and analyzed by fellow members of Congress and the Justice Department before it's passed. Candid with you, Gary, half of the members, three quarters of the members had no idea that they were voting to give $20 million to the city of Waterbury to tear down an old manufacturing site. It was just a line item, no name was attached to it, and it passed. They're correcting that. But as I said before, even back in the day, if it was going for your city, going for your district, going for your state, that's what it was for. Because otherwise it goes to the president of the United States to decide how he would like to, would like to have the money flow. And he, he, yeah, he can't he doesn't know anything that's going on in 435 districts. So it didn't make much sense, to, in my estimation, to have it all centralized within the White House. It should have been decentralized in the hands of each and every member of Congress, especially those who would have a direct uh, interest in that particular earmark. Then you're going to get better legislation and you're going to get greater cooperation among the members, Democrat and Republicans, to pass legislation. And guess what? members are going to start to talk to each other in a civil manner, which is only going to make everything else from the legislative perspective work better. We need it. Don't forget to subscribe.